We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. It's the miracle of ministry. That's the direction we are headed on this edition of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Join us here in 2 Corinthians and be encouraged. The miracle of the new birth, salvation. It's amazing, isn't it? And indeed, it is a miracle. From there, we find ourselves looking at ministry and living out post-salvation, if you will. That in and of itself is another miracle. Welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1-6 through 6 today as we continue our survey of 2 Corinthians, looking at the miracle of ministry. Join us. Here's Pastor Phil with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Turn, if you were to 2 Corinthians, I want to talk about the miracle of ministry today. The miracle of ministry. We begin at verse, let me pick up 2.16, then we'll go to 3.1. Speaking that he's in the triumph of Christ, and that he's nothing more than an incense carrier, praising the victories of his conquering general, Christ. And he says, even as I'm doing this, the incense smells like death to some, and to others an aroma that brings life. And who is equal or sufficient or competent for such a task? He goes to chapter 3. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? This is a, he's moving from a conquering Christ now to once again defending himself against the critics. And the critics are saying, you do not have the credentials of an authentic apostle. And they're saying, where are your papers from Jerusalem that says you were sent out by James and John and Peter? He says, Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. 
For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. In defending himself, we pick up a principle that ministry is a divine work of God. Human effort alone is inadequate to accomplish God's work. Only by divine enablement does any ministry get accomplished. For Jesus said, for without me, you can do some things. What did it say? You can do zero. And he likened that in that passage to the branch tied to the vine, unless the life of the vine is going through the branch, it's only fit to be burned up. It can produce nothing. The illustration is so powerful. Unless you remain in contact with me, there will be nothing good produced through you. In biblical terms, I want you to get this. In biblical terms, excellence is not the elimination of human inadequacy. In human terms, in biblical terms, excellence is not the elimination of human inadequacy, but the divine empowerment of inadequate people. It's not the elimination. You will never eliminate the innate human inadequacies you have for accomplishing the work of God. But God says your inadequacy will be his opportunity to furnish you power and adequacy you could never have otherwise. So the adequacy will come from him. While at the same time, you are claiming inadequacy, God is saying, I am sufficient to use even you. Is it possible for God to use you? Do your inadequacies make you withdraw from God and make yourself unavailable for God in the name of splendid spiritual excuse-making? Or have you ever made yourself available to this God? to pour his resources in and through you and perform the miracle of ministry. How could God be getting his work done through somebody such as you? It's the miracle of ministry. He does two things. He first of all tells them the effects of a ministry borne up by God. The effects. Two, he tells them the source of his adequacy, where it comes from. And number three, what I'd like to land with you is God's promise to be adequate to use you, not just an apostle. Let's take, first of all, the effects. Paul has been talking about, I'm in the triumph of Christ. We're victorious through Christ. And then in this letter, everyone once in a while, he'll be on an argument. Then he steps aside to, as it were, deal with the critics. And so here they are saying, oh, oh, by the way, when you came to Corinth, we didn't see your credentials. Uh, we didn't see a letter from Peter. We didn't see a letter from the the elders in Jerusalem saying you were their man, their apostle. 
Where, where's your resume? Where are the credentials? Who recommended you anyway? And he said, uh, let me tell you what my credentials are. I happen to come among a bunch of pagan idol worshipers. I came to the sex capital of the ancient world where anything goes, a city corrupt all the way to its toenails in sin, a terrible place. And I came and I preached to you, not Aristotle, Plato, or Socrates. I preached the foolishness of the cross and God saved you. You came to Christ, and in this process, God wrote you on my heart. And in the process, he stooped down, and he used for his stationary your heart. And the hand of omnipotence wrote, and he turned you into his stationary. God loves you. God is going to save you. You were homosexual. You were effeminate. You were thieves. You were robbers. You were fornicators. But now you've been washed. Now you've been cleansed. Now you've been made mine. Now I'm no longer an idolater. In a moment, God wrote on your heart what he told Jeremiah. Someday, I won't give my people external commands. I will give them an internal change of heart. I'll give them a new heart. And so he went to the heart, to the core of their being, and he inscribed his love. And he says to them, why, you're my letter of recommendation. What were you before I came to town? And imagine, I was a regular customer at the brothel. I was a regular profligate. I was a regular drunk. I was a regular womanizer. I was untrue to marriage, untrue to kids. But when this gospel came, I was changed, transformed. I'm a changed person. Paul said, look around. There's my letters of recommendation. The greatest recommendation of your ministry on any level, I don't care if it's junior church, if it's encouraging, is change lives. People changed. People encouraged by you. People influenced by you. And so he says, he wants to settle the record. I don't need any external fabricated false documents. You're the letter. You. You're God's expensive stationery. You know what God did? When you, when you have stationery, you've got to do something. First of all, you've got to buy the field where the trees are growing. Two, you've got to cut the trees down. Three, you've got to pulverize them and turn it into paper pulp. And then you've got to put it through the rollers, the steamers, and the heat. And by the time you get through, you could go down and for a dollar, you could buy 50 sheets of paper to write your message on. What God did, he sent the Lord Jesus Christ to buy the world. And he bought the force, and he had to cut you down from your pride, had to pulverize you and bring you to the foot of the cross that he might turn you into his writing paper. We are expensive writing paper of which the hand of omnipotence has written inside my heart. And it's written inside your heart if you know Christ. God didn't write many, many tickle you farson. That he wrote for Belshazzar. Judgment's coming. He wrote down here, you're forgiven. You're mine. 
I've loved you forever. I loved you at the cross. There, there's my credentials. Then he goes on, he said, let me tell you, I am very confident. But since that sounds so cocky, and it sounds so arrogant, verse 4, I am confident, but where is your confidence, Paul? Are you a self-made cocky preacher? Listen to what he says. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our confidence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. The source of my competence comes from God. That This word here, competence, sufficiency, adequacy, is translated those three different ways. It, it has the idea... Fit to do the task assigned. Sufficient to do what I'm being asked to do. That's, that's all it means. And he's saying, if God gave us tasks to do without giving us the ability to do it, it would be like him asking us to fly without giving us wings. In other words, he's mocking our ineptitude. He's mocking our incompetence. Instead, he said... I'm assigning you something I know by yourself would be impossible. But you've got to know you can count on omnipotence to give you the power to do it. God's command to do is God's promise to enable. If he commands you to do it, you don't know. He's promising the power to do it. Now, let's uh, see the source of this power. Um. Uh, I love what James Denny wrote about Paul's ministry in the gospel. I, I keep uh, these laminated copies of these words. I'm going to read. I keep them in my Bibles. James Denny said these words. None of you read James Denny. He wrote this in the 1800s. Expositor's Commentary, 2 Corinthians. No one who saw the exceeding greatness of the power which the gospel exercise, not only in sustaining its preachers under persecution, but in transforming human nature and making bad men good. No one who saw this and looked at a preacher like Paul could dream that the explanation lay in him. Not in an ugly little Jew, they called him ugly in Second Corinthians, Without eloquence, without presence, without the means to bribe or compel, could the source of such courage, the cause of such transformation be found. It must be sought not in him, but in God. There have been men so clever that God could make no use of them. They could never do his work because they were so lost in admiration of their own work. But God's work never depended on them. And it does not depend on them now. It depends on those who, when they see Jesus Christ, become unconscious once and forever of all that they have used to call their own wisdom and their own strength. For the supreme law of the kingdom is still the glory of God 
and not the glory of the clever man. Why do you think God has chosen so many weak men? Weak even to the hearers and to themselves. He said, I don't share my glory with anybody. If I can use a stick in the hands of Moses, I can use you. Even a donkey can be used for God if it bears Jesus into the city of Jerusalem. And some of us, that's the only way we got in. Thank you. You got it, Catherine. They were slow on the uptake. Listen to the men God called. Moses, I'm sending you to deliver the children of Israel. And he automatically says, good, I'm your man. I've been trained in the courts of Pharaoh. Has anyone read the accounts? I think the argument goes back eight times. Exodus 4, he said, I'm not a man of eloquence. I'm not a man of speech. I'm of slow speech. Uh, Please get my brother to be the spokesman, and I'll just uh, hit the rod wherever you tell me. And, And yet when Stephen's preaching in Acts 7, he said, Moses, a man mighty in word, eloquent. He probably was just denying all of his Egyptian training, all of his Egyptian speech. He was being trained to be the emperor. This is no dumb boy. He's no dumb man. This man is eloquent. This man is powerful in all the learning of Egypt. He just is freaking out. Uh, You deliver him, Lord, and don't use me to do it. I didn't ask for the job. And God said, no, I gave you the job. All great men in God's church that have led it have never sought to be the leader. Look at David. Who would ever think the greatest king of Israel would not even be considered by his father for the lineup. I mean, it is pitiful. When all the boys are called out and, 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 and Samuel's not let, felt led to anoint any of them and that, that Samuel has to bring it up, surely you've got another one. God sent me on a mission. I mean, he's got to tell Jesse, surely you've got some. And in essence, he's no better than the sheep he's taking care of. I don't value him. And old Samuel said, I know this, Jesse. I'm not leaving until I meet your youngest boy. About 14 years of age. He was so youthful, the text says he had ruddy complexion. He had a baby face. He had red cheeks. He hadn't even got a beard yet. He could still see his cheeks. Surely God can't have a king and a 14-year-old boy. And David kind of wishes he's never anointed because he had to take javelin running courses after that. He's running for his life the rest, the next 16 years. 16 years from his anointing to being made the king. Trying to outrun Saul from killing him. See, just because God anoints you and calls you doesn't mean you're not going to go through the mill. And he didn't go out and publish a card, next king. It was a secret he and Samuel kept. I think when God called Jeremiah, he said, you you can't be talking to me, Lord. I'm but a child. Jeremiah 1, verses 4 and 5. You've got to get a grown-up man. I'm a kid. I'm a child. God said, no, I'm not mixed up, Jeremiah, on your age. You're the boy I want. You're my man. But, but I'm a child. He said, you will go where I send you. 
when he called Ezekiel. You know what Ezekiel did? Ezekiel prayed after he saw the chariot and the wheel in the inside of a wheel and that heavenly dream in Ezekiel 1, chapter 2. He said, Lord, I'm scared to death of their faces. Surely their faces are like stone. My audience is a stone-faced audience. Please change the assignment. And then he said, I saw God send a scroll across heaven. And he said, take and eat. And he said, when I ate it, it burned like fire in my bones and tasted like honey in my mouth. And I went in the energy of the book I consumed. He hushed him up by giving him a book to eat. The reason some of you have no energy for God, you're not eating the book. You got to feed on his word. We don't need a bunch of babble and a bunch of bladder and just a bunch of empty, stupid opinions. We need somebody full of the thus saith the word of the Lord. That's what we need. We don't, you don't need to pass on ignorance. When I wanted to go to Bible college, someone, so many of them were telling me, don't go to Bible college, you'll lose the anointing. The main thing I was trying to lose was the ignorance. God doesn't anoint ignorance. He anoints his word. He anoints the truth. He doesn't anoint of stupidity. What will you do to quit being stupid about God's word? You see, if you're not understanding what you're reading in the Bible, you're really wasting your time reading it. You've got to slow down and find out. Somebody teach you to find out what it means. That's what changes you, is when you find out what it means. Not reading three chapters a day, that won't change you. It's a waste of time. Don't waste your time until you want to slow down and keep a little journal and write down what did the paragraph say. If you don't do that, it's going to go through you like a sieve and you won't keep any of it. You need a journal every day. Tell yourself where you read, tell them what time you showed up, put it down, and write down whatever you decide to read. Uh, write down what does it mean. What did it mean to the audience? What should it mean to me? You need to do that. I'm burdened by the fact God's people don't know what they're reading. They just don't. Well, we're getting off the subject here. People saying, I'm not adequate. Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Think of of Isaiah. The longest serving king of Israel for 52 years had just passed away. And I think Isaiah probably went to the temple in despondency. We've just lost our longest lasting ruler to leprosy. He got puffed up and turned into a leper. I'm going to go to the temple. I need, I need God. I need to worship. And when he goes there, he said, I looked up and I saw a vacant throne in Judah But I didn't expect this. I saw another throne that was occupied. And on it, some bodyguards called seraphim. With two wings, they covered their eyes. With two, they were flying. With two, they covered their feet. And when I saw the vision of the Almighty God on the throne, he said, all of a sudden, I was overwhelmed with my undone condition. And in the Hebrew, he says, uh, when he said, woe is me, I'm undone. The word is, I'm ruined. I'm ruined. It's curtains for me. I've come in contact. Why is it curtains? I'm a man of unclean lips, which stands for I've got an unclean life. I'm too dirty to be in the presence of a holy God. And all I could hear in my ears is, Kodesh, Kodesh, Kodesh. 
All these seraphims say in Hebrew is holy, holy, pure, holy, pure, separated, non-contaminated. And what am I doing here? I'm dirty. And he's holy. How can the two meet? And he said, all of a sudden, he commissioned one of these seraphim to go to the altar. What happens at the altar? Atonement. I want you to go and bring the fruit of the atonement. And I want you to atone for the filthiness in this man. That's why the cross, the cross covered up everything filthy about you to keep you from being used by God. He's paid a blood price to get your lips. And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. As we close out our program today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the broadcast has encouraged you, has ministered to your walk and relationship with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. By phone, obviously the easiest, 855-833-9864. Again, Simply call 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is the zip code. Now, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be through our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, as you stop by, you'll be able to drop us an email, but then take advantage of the many resource materials we have available, again, there at truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also be able to find out more about Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, who we are, what we believe, worship times, directions, and the like. Again, truthfortodayradio.org, or again, simply call 855-833-9864. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available through listener support. As you link arms with us financially, we are able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. So please consider that as you contact us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.